0: be finishing up a series that we started a few weeks ago called Blessed. But really, it sort of flows into Christmas when you stop and think about it. When you think of that word blessed, right? Like It just sort of fits the theme that we're we're about to head into, but next week we're going to be specifically looking at the Christmas story, which I'm really, really excited about. You're not going to want to miss it. You're going to want to be here those two weeks as we unpack that. And uh, It's just one of those, like, I could talk, I, I just wish we talked about the Christmas story more often, right, rather than once a year. I mean, there is so much in that story to unpack, and so every year it comes around, I just get really, really excited to sort of unpack it, and I'm really excited about this coming next two weeks. But I'm also excited about today because I always get excited to finish up series, and that's what we're going to do. So if you have something to take notes on, why don't you pull that out right now and just write up at the top, right? Blessed. That's the series that we, we, we call this series uh, Blessed, and it's going to be part three. So uh, we're finishing it up. So there was two other parts before today, right? And uh, we're finishing it up with part three today. So Blessed part three. If you have your Bible or don't, you can download the Bible on your smart device and open up Version Bible app. To Acts chapter twenty, that's where we're going to be today. Acts chapter twenty, and uh, and but before we read our text, let's just sort of jump back a few weeks and sort of catch us up to speed on what we've talked about up to this point. Right, when we kicked off the series, we began to look at the Beatitudes. attitudes. Jesus, uh, one of his famous teachings, we call them the Beatitudes, attitudes, and uh, Jesus was talking about this idea of being blessed. And I think it's important for us to look at the Beatitudes, look through Jesus's eyes to see his context of what it looks like to be blessed, right? Because we want to be like him, right? And he has a view of certain things that sort of maybe are important for us to catch on to. And so we look through his eyes rather than looking through the American dream, right? The American dream has an idea of what blessed looks like and Jesus has an idea of what blessed looks like. Now, what we found when we looked through Jesus's eyes is that being blessed was not about the price of our belongings so much, but it was more about the person that we are actually becoming. So in other words, what is happening inside of us and what is happening through us? That is more important than how much we have in our bank accounts, how much we have in our uh, possessions, right? So that was uh, week one. Then last week, we looked at uh, the people in our lives. We saw how people can be actually one of the greatest blessings. Each person, every person that is in your life or in your path has the opportunity to actually bring a blessing into your life. See, one of life's greatest riches is found when we begin to view everything in life. As actually an excuse to start relationships right when you go to your job right there's people there that's an ex- your job is not just for a paycheck it can actually be an excuse for you to develop some relationships right when you come to church we yeah we come to lift him up but th- it's an excuse to gather with other people that actually are serving him as well and form relationships when it comes to fath- family gatherings your family look those relationships are not just like something that is like a ball and chain that you carry around right it can actually be something that you can invest into and you can actually see family, extend family, all that. You can see it as a blessing. When you when you go and get gas and that, that gas station clerk or the bank teller, right? Those are people that you see on a regular basis. If you see the person... And begin to see them through God's lens of being valuable, right? All of a sudden, you can actually see this as an opportunity for you to start a relationship with people that oftentimes get overlooked in our lives. And there can be a blessing that can come through that relationship. That's what we talked about last week, right? So reviewed real quick, part one, part two. Now we're into part three. Who's ready? You ready? You with me? Acts, come on, that's what I like. Acts chapter, I mean, it's going to, dude, you're going to give me preaching this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. We're just going to read one verse this morning. It says this, it says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. All right. Stop there. Let's pray. God, we want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us. We pray, Father, that you open our ears to hear, open our eyes to see and open our minds that we might understand. Then soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive all that you speak to us. Then give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak into action. Because, God, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. Help us to be your church. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Alright, so up to this point, we've been talking about this idea, right? This idea of the view of being blessed. And we've taken that idea of being blessed, we've sort of tweaked it a little bit, right? We, we sort of bumped it this way a little bit from what culture maybe pushes us towards. But today, we're going to take this idea of being blessed, right? We're going to turn it upside down on its head and sort of mix things up a little bit on us, right? Now, one of the things that I love about the Christian faith, this is one, I, there's many things I love about the Christian faith, but one of the things that I love about it is simply the wisdom and the insight and all the advice that's packed into this book right here, right? When you read through the Bible, right, there is tons of wisdom, there's tons of insight, there's tons of things that will actually bring your life and actually make it, what, better, right? It's just the way it is. Matter of fact, you don't even have to believe in Jesus and you can still go through this book and find things that you could apply to your life and say, man, that's wisdom right there. That's insight. That's something that would actually move my life in the right direction and make my life better. Rather, you believe in Jesus. Jesus or not. And I think that is a very, very cool thing that you can come. And it actually gives us a reason to invite somebody that is not a Christian into our church, because this can be a safe place for us to invite somebody who doesn't believe. And they can come and sit and listen and say, wow, that's actually really good. I think that would actually benefit my life because there's a ton of things that could benefit your life from from this stuff. And if they come and safely explore some of those things, they'll be exposed to Jesus. And hopefully someday they'll come to a place where they encounter him and they'll actually start to believe in him. Right. But there's a sometimes a process. It just doesn't it's like you got to believe before you get in first. Right. Hopefully you can get into our church right before you believe. And you can learn some things that could maybe actually challenge you and actually better your life. And you say, you know what, now that I've been experiencing this, I want to experience a little bit more. And I think that as i've been learning i'm going to actually put my faith in jesus that's the whole reason why we exist right is to invite people in to have a safe place to explore some of his teachings and his teachings can make your life better whether you believe him or not and so i love that about christianity but there's also things about it that make it a little bit difficult when it comes to christianity if we're honest right you You can read through the Bible and and have the opposite effect and be like, I don't know if that's wisdom. I don't know if that really makes sense to me, right? You can actually read through the Bible and you can come across things that actually feel very offensive to you. You're like, oh, man, I'm offended by that, right? Because there's things in here, man, that offend people, right? There's also things in here that can rub, you know, the wrong way. You're like, ah, just don't like that. And, and and then sometimes you're just like, man, I read that, but I have no idea what that means. That's just I'm scratching my head. I'm a little bit confused, right? Those things are in the Bible as well. And so when it comes to being a Christian, sometimes we come across things like that. And even though we're Christians and we believe in Jesus, we see those things hidden in scripture that offend us, that rub us the wrong way, or that maybe just leave a scratch in our head. And we sit there and we say, man, I don't know if I get it, right? I've been there. I've I read through this book every year, right? I, from Genesis to Revelation, so I try to make it through. And, and, and I, I always... I'm like, wow. I've read that several times and I've never seen that before. That doesn't really make sense to me. I don't understand it. And sometimes when we find something that's maybe a little bit more offensive to us. Or rubs us a little bit wrong, the wrong way. Or it doesn't make sense. What, what do we want to do as Christians? We just sort of want to push by, it, right? Just sort of brush over. Maybe we'll just sort of set that over here. But then... If you have been in the faith long enough, you say, wait a second, maybe I need to ask myself a question about that thing that offended me, that thing that rubbed me the wrong way, that thing that doesn't really make sense to me. Maybe I need to ask myself, maybe that crazy sounding verse is actually something that Jesus wanted me to hear and wanted me to do because he sees something that I don't see. Maybe there's a reason he put that there. And maybe I just need to give it a little bit more attention and maybe I need to actually apply it just to see what he's actually talking about. I mean, I think that's a good question, right? That's a good question. And when it comes to the text that we read today, it's one of those texts that leave me sort of scratching my head and saying, I don't know if I get it, right? It, it, it's a little bit weird because it, it, it's, it's Jesus co- continuing to talk about this idea of, of being blessed. But instead of going with the grain, he's going against the grain. He's sort of turning it on its head. And, and he's doing something that's a little bit out of the norm of what we tend to think, right? And it goes right along with what we talked about in part one. Remember when Jesus did the Beatitudes? He gave us eight examples of people that he considered to be blessed. Who were they? They were the poor. The poor were blessed. Those who mourn were blessed. Those who were humble were blessed. Those who were hungry and thirsty for justice. Those who were merciful. Those who were pure hearts. Those who worked for peace. Persecuted. For doing the right thing? Those people are blessed? I mean, those are eight people that are blessed according to the Beatitudes. And, and I sit there and I'm like, not one of those eight would have made my version of being blessed. So Jesus is continuing to, to, to sort of challenge us and get us sort of scratching our head and saying, what are you exactly saying here? Because he had a tendency to do that. He had a tendency to say some things that were a little bit contrary to what a lot of people believed. And this idea of like giving to be blessed, it's it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's one of those things that just sort of, ah, man, it's like, I don't know if I fully understand it or understand this topic of being blessed. So maybe I need to look into it a little bit farther. Which gets me excited about this verse that we opened up today. Because Acts chapter 20 verse 35, when you, when you look at, at it, it's actually Jesus talking. Okay? like, and, and that's surprising because it's Acts. Okay, When you read the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are found in the first four books of the New Testament, it's like you know that most of it is Jesus talking, and that's exciting. Some translations of the Bible actually put all of Jesus' words in what? Red letters. It's really fun when you get one of those Bibles because you open it up and you just see all this red. And you're like, wow, that came from Jesus. That came from Jesus. That came from Jesus. And you know, like, if Jesus said it, man, maybe I hold on to it. Right? Because that's what this whole thing is based upon. Right? And so so I love that. But then when you get into the book of of Acts, it's a little bit different. Because it's not documenting Jesus' life like the Gospels did. The Gospels are all about documenting Jesus' life. Now, Acts is a little bit different. Where Acts is actually one of the books that documents the, the start of the early church. This is where we see the church emerge and take off. And so it's not... As many red letters. Now it starts off with Jesus. Jesus had been killed, he had been, been put on the cross, died, he, he spent some time in the grave, he rose from the dead, right? And that's where sort of then Acts kicks off right before Jesus is sent. So the first two chapters you see some red letters, but then it goes to black. You don't see those red letters anymore because it's not documenting his life in the physical form. It's documenting the lives of those who are taking the message and starting the church and moving things forward, right? And so as you read, you're not seeing his red letters. But then as you go through all these chapters of black letters, then you come to chapter 20 and you see red letters. And you're like, whoa, wait a second, where'd that come from? But it actually came from Paul. Paul the Apostle was actually communicating. And as he was communicating, he said, you know what? I'm going to quote Jesus. And he quotes Jesus with such authority that everybody is like, well, that needs to be in red. Because that didn't come from Paul. That came from Jesus. Which is surprising because you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you don't see Jesus say it anywhere there. So somehow Paul got something from Jesus That got put into Acts that wasn't put over here. So there's something here that needs to be caught. Something that we need to pay attention to. And so if we look at what he said again. And just look at the direct quote that came from Jesus. It says this in the last part of verse 35. It says Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to what? Give. Than to receive. Wow. I mean as a parent. I love this, right? Especially around Christmas time, right? When your kids get that crazy look in their eye <laughs> and they're eyeing something that's way out of your price range, I love this. It's like, hey, guys, come here. You know, like, let me tell you something. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, like, let's let it go. You can get that car a little bit later when you got money to buy it for yourself, right? I mean, it's just one of those things, you know? Now, Now, the truth of the matter is, we say this, we've heard this, right? And we like to communicate this because it's in the Word. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to our own life, this is one of those things that sometimes it's, it's, it's something that internally we wrestle with. Now, we wouldn't communicate that out loud, especially not with a whole bunch of Christians, right? Because we know it came from Jesus. So we don't want to contradict what he said. But deep down in our hearts, sometimes we wrestle with this, right? Right? Do we really believe this? I mean, we say it to our kids. We say it to, to other church people. But when it comes to what is inside of us, do we really believe that it's more blessed to give than to believe?
1: I can tell you this.
0: I've communicated it to my kids. My kids don't believe it for a second. <laughs> Just try and communicate it to your kids and see how they, how they receive it. Right the last night, okay? I'm at the kitchen table. We got this thing of cookies. And I try to communicate how it would be more blessed to, for them to like give me some cookies than for them to receive cookies for themselves. I felt got beat up. I mean, they like attacked me. It was like, no, these cookies are mine, and you're not getting any. Right? It, it's one of those things. Like you, you try to and communicate. And it's just, it's like there's there's this internal war that will begin to happen with not just your kids, but really with everybody when they stop and think about it. The truth is, this giving doesn't always feel like a blessing. It just doesn't. There's times where it doesn't feel that way. Receiving does. Man, when I receive a gift, man, it's like, wow, where did that come from? Sometimes it's hard for me to receive gifts because there's this feeling. I'm like, I don't deserve this. This, is, this feels amazing. Like, I, and, and yet what Jesus is saying here is that that whole idea of receiving is actually better than giving. Like, He's saying that idea is backwards. What you might feel is actually a little bit backwards. And if we're honest with ourselves, man, it's just internally, there is a war that goes on. And I think the war stems from fear, right? I think it stems from fear. We think that our focus, if it's on giving, then we're going to miss out on the getting. And we know getting is fun. And so there's this fear of the missing out that happens. And it just doesn't feel like it's going to work out in our favor, right? And and it would have been so much better if Jesus would have said it a little bit differently. If, If Jesus would have said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but just make sure that you don't forget to return the favor. I mean, if you would have added that last little bit, right, it would have made this so much easier because you would have been like, yeah, that's right. Okay, I got you. You know, like, yeah, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but make sure that you return the favor. In other words, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to wait to see what I get in kickback. Right. I'm going to I'm going to see what comes my way. See, the focus, if he would have said that, the focus would have been all wrong. Right. Because the focus would have been inward, not outward. Right. Yeah, we would have still given, but we would always sort of be sitting there wrestling with, okay, what am I going to receive in return? So rather than the focus being outward, the focus would still be inward. And that would make us end up missing the hidden blessing that comes from the gift. Why is giving more of a blessing than receiving I think it's because it makes things not about us. We get a perspective that sort of changes that we could never have if our eyes were inward focusing on me, myself and I. We get to see something that is actually bigger than our own interests. We see something that's happening out there in their life, in the world. and, and, And that just there's a blessing that comes from seeing outside of who we are. So taking some time to bless someone else becomes a huge blessing in our own lives because it doesn't take anything away from us. Instead, it is actually multiplying our own personal happiness and our own personal fulfillment. And believe it or not, when you experience that kind of happiness, that kind of joy, that kind of fulfillment, it actually reaps some crazy health benefits in your life. I just got done reading a book talking about this, right? That actually experiencing that kind of overflow from giving and having that happiness tank filled up in your life. It actually re- increases or decreases your odds of having heart failure. It's crazy. Like you can smoke a pack of cigarettes a day. And actually the result to your happiness is this or the the chance of you actually experiencing heart failure is actually the same as if you actually would just get out there and, and give to other people and see other people and fill their tanks. Because then your tank gets filled and the more community that you have and the more that tank gets filled, then your odds of these health diseases coming into your life go drastically down. And they've scientifically proven that it was so fascinating to me. And I'm like, wow, maybe Jesus saw something. That others didn't, right? It's incredible. It's so incredible. So taking time to do that reaps these benefits. And if we're going to be honest here today, it it is only through the practice of blessing others that we ever really experience what it truly means to be blessed in the first place. Because we can't just live for our own comfort and really truly be blessed. We must extend ourselves to someone else. And I know that sounds crazy, but I see this play out in my own life all the time. Because if I'm honest with you this morning, I'm telling you, my tendency is to live for myself. I like to live for me. That's my tendency. I'm not just a natural like giver. Like I'm just going to go and give, 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 right? That's not naturally. Now some people might be a little bit more wired that way. For me, it takes work for me to get there. My natural tendency is to think inwardly. My natural tendency is to want to hold back rather than give out. But what I've found is that when I I lean into my tendency of holding, withholding, and keeping for me, what I find is that I always end up feeling empty. There's an emptiness that comes out of that. Even as I get more and more, there's an emptiness that comes from that. But when I get outside of myself and I look for ways to bless somebody else, when I look for ways to give to somebody else, those are the moments that I experience literally unspeakable joy. Those are things that fill up my tank to overflowing because I'm giving to someone other than me expecting nothing in return. And the Bible actually paints a picture for us, shows us this playing out in the early church that is actually profound, like blows my mind. I mean, if you remember what I said about the book of Acts, the book of Acts was sort of documenting the beginning of the church. The beginning of the church was not an easy time period to live in. You wouldn't have been like, hey, throw me back there because it would have been so much easier to be a Christian. I don't think that would necessarily be true because there are so many other things that were happening. But yet something was really, really playing out that is very intriguing to me when I read about it. Because the early church was practicing what it looked like to give rather than to receive at a level that I don't know anybody has ever really fully done since. What they had going on during this time, it literally, what was, was, was their giving. And people were being drawn to them saying, man, I, I didn't know about this. I want to be a part of this. And so their numbers were just literally spreading. And this took Christianity where it spread all the way around the world to the point that we're here today. Had they not been living this generous life, I don't know if Christianity would have spread the same way that it did. So let's look at the way that they were living. What were they doing? What were they focusing on that literally made this thing spread the way that it did? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47, it says this. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they, to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I mean, isn't that a beautiful picture? I just sit there and I'm like, man, these people were living generosity that was not normal in their time period or in ours. I mean, this is a level of generosity that that is at a a new place. They had all just sort of experienced Jesus in a new way. They put their their newfound hope in Jesus was this was something new to them. They just heard the message. They heard the story. They said, man, I'm seeing apostles doing these miracles. I'm hearing the story of what Jesus did. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to step into it. And so all of a sudden, they were putting their faith in this guy who had walked. And some of these people... They had not seen Jesus with their own eyes. This is just a story of a dead guy that came back to life and then ascended up into heaven that they were saying, you know what, I'm gonna believe it. Why am I gonna believe it? Because I'm seeing these these miracles that your apostles, your 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 close people to Jesus are, are performing. But then more than that, I'm seeing something that's contagious with the way that you guys are living your life. I want in. I want to believe this. So they have this newfound faith in Jesus. And that faith brought them into this community with others that were believing in Jesus. And then that faith was moving them to a place where they were taking action one for another to meet the needs. So much so that they were actually going out and selling property and selling possessions in order to have the income to meet the need of certain people within their community, within their congregation. I mean, this is crazy. I'm not signing myself up to go sell property in order to give you some of my money. This is like stuff that blows my mind. And I wrestled with I'm like, how in the world did this happen? This is crazy. These people were completely unselfish. They didn't count anything that they owned as their own. Instead, they saw it as something that they could use to bless someone else. And the thing that interests me the most about this is that we don't see anywhere here where their sacrifice moved them to a place where their life was worse. You don't see that. Instead, what you see is the opposite. You see that these people became blessed because of their opportunity to meet needs. And you see something that happened within the church where it began to explode. God was adding to their number daily those that were being saved. I love that their actions allowed them to experience God in this whole new way because they saw God moving in their midst by adding these numbers, by doing these miraculous things. The community that they were a part of was growing as God was adding to, the number, uh, to their number daily those that were being saved. But what I don't want you to miss is they were being persecuted. They were losing their lives. Their numbers should not have been growing Even though they saw the community that was there, even though they saw Christians' needs being met by one another, it wasn't something that you were like, hey, I want to be a part of that. Because by signing up and being a part of it, by putting your faith there, by joining the community, you were putting your family, your kids, yourself, you were putting your life on the line. So it wasn't like people were just running saying, hey, they just give away and I want that. I want to receive that. So I want to be a part of that group. It wasn't like that was was the thing that was drawing people in. What was drawing people in is they were seeing how people were living a blessed life by meeting each other's needs because of what Jesus had done for them. And that was contagious. And people were saying, I'm willing to risk it all in order to step in to that community. And God was using these people to bring people in, to bring people in, and if we're here today, we have to know that it's only because the early church was willing to give a level that very few would be willing to give. Their giving affected the world. Their giving literally is a result of us being here today. How incredibly cool is that? Blows my mind. I want to be a part of something like that. So how can our church have the same kind of impact in our world today? How can we be more like the early church? Where it's something that is contagious. It's something that others see, they feel, they sense. They say, man, those people that go to that church, they are blessed people. I can see it on their face. I can see it overflowing their life. Man, I saw them do this the other day where they just met somebody's need. And they seem more happy about what they did than the person who received the gift. It's just, it's crazy, right? Like, how can we be more like the early church? How can our focus... On what we can get? How can we focus more on what we can give rather than what we can get? I believe, for starters, for us here, I believe that it really starts with us just seeing others as valuable. Your life is valuable, God says so. When you see somebody out there, and we talked about this in part two, like, man, all these relationships that we come in contact with, everybody that we pass on the street, everybody that we, 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 we see in the store or at school or at work or wherever it might be, all these relationships, all these are people that have tremendous value. The reason why we don't like to make eye contact Is because we don't want to see the value that is inside of them. If you make eye contact with somebody and look them in the eyes, what ends up happening inside of you is you become compassionate for that person because you see them. We can be in a whole room with a whole bunch of people and never make eye contact and never feel compassion for one another simply because we're avoiding. What happens if we begin to be intentional about looking into people's eyes and seeing them as valuable, the way that Jesus sees them as valuable? That's the starting ground. Young and old, those that are like us and those that are not, those that are in our church and those that are outside of our church, right? Those in the community, those around the world, look in their eyes, see individuals that are completely not living according to this, see them as valuable, People that are living in sin. People that make your stomach turn because of the sin that is in their life. People that are so different than you. Different ideas about the world. Different beliefs. Look at them. See them in the eyes. Because Jesus says, you know what? I love that person so much. I'm sending my son to die on a cross for them. See them. That is the starting ground. And as we see others, we see the needs in their life. And some of you are going to see a need in their life and you're going to be like, man, I can actually meet that need on my own. I can actually give something that meets that need. Do it. Some needs you're going to see and you're going to be like, I can't do that on my own. But but as a church family, we're going to see things and we're going to be like, if we all come together, we can meet that need. Let's do it. Some, some of us are going to be, you know, our church isn't the biggest church, if you haven't noticed, right? But we're growing, and we're growing a lot, and that's exciting to me. But the, even as we grow, we're never going to be big enough to meet all the needs out there. But guess what? We have the ability and the capability to partner with organizations around the world that are literally doing incredible things, like Convoy of the Hope and, like, Adventure and, 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 and the, uh, the Human Rescue, where we're, we're saving girls out of sex trafficking. And, and there's so many missionaries that we're If we partner together with them, man, we can make a huge impact. Needs present themselves in so many different ways, right? And as we see these needs, some of them are going to require our time and our energy. And the truth of the matter is, if you put in the time to give a listening ear to somebody, you have no idea how far that will go. Giving of your time is so, so important. Sometimes it requires our muscle. Sometimes we actually have to get a little bit dirty. We have to lend a helping hand. But when we go out and actually lend some muscle and get into their life and actually give a little bit of this, right? And do carry a box, help somebody move in, help somebody move out, help somebody fix something or whatever it is. When we give a little bit of our muscle, man, it it speaks so loud. And sometimes it requires a little bit of money. Sometimes it's a financial thing and an investment, a little bit of cash where it's like we're not expecting anything in return. We just want to give because we know that cash can actually turn something into to, uh, something into something so much more than what, what they're currently doing. Our cash can actually bring a blessing in somebody else's life, can meet a need so much. It can turn into food. It can turn into a rescue. It can turn into resources that go so far. I truly believe. That when we look for ways to give of our time, of our muscle, and of our money, that all of a sudden we begin to experience what truly being blessed is all about. I truly believe that. Reed, you can come on up. We're going to get ready to close. See, our greatest blessing, our greatest blessing comes from the forgiveness that we receive from God, right? Because if you go back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve, you know that sin entered the world there and it separated us from him. And from that moment, our giving God... I mean, you read the creation story. The moment that it happened, He gave. There's a sacrifice that was made where He took an animal and He gave Adam and Eve. He gave them what? He gave them clothes because they realized that they were naked. He gave them a sacrifice in order... Something had to die in order to, to pay that penalty. And He started to continue to give, to give all throughout Scripture, all the way to this point where eventually he gave his only son. He gave Jesus to Mary to come to this earth to live a sin-free life and to die on a cross so that we could experience being in community with him once again. Not separated, but literally being able to go straight to him. Not having to go through a priest, but literally being able to talk to him wherever we are. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We have the opportunity to experience eternal life with him in heaven. And I think that's beautiful as well. That is the greatest gift that was ever given was his son, Jesus Christ. And we're going to be talking about that in the next two weeks. But we always give moments to give our lives to him. To accept what, the gift that he gave us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, man, I want to accept that gift. I want to give my life to him. I want to walk with him. I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Is there anybody? Awesome. You can look up here. It means that we're walking with him, right? But my heart for us as a church is going to be this. I hope, I hope we don't ever see our spiritual growth process as being the same after today. My prayer Is that we as a church don't just come to experience an amazing community. And I think Timbers is an amazing community. Look at yourselves. You guys are awesome. (laughs) And you're fun. There's something that's contagious here. But my prayer is that we don't just come to experience the amazing community that we have here. But instead that we come and we get consumed with extending what we have to others. That we give, that we invite other people to experience this community with us. That we give our community to others who need community. That we give of our time in order to make this thing happen. That we give of our, our muscle in order to love on some kids. That we give of our finances in order to keep the doors open and to keep things happening, not just here but also around the world so that we can partner with these other organizations. So as we wrap this up, the cue that I want to give us this week is to give. Because we have to understand that we're never going to truly, fully be blessed if all we do is seek our own blessing. And so I'm not asking you to give because I won't asking you to give because I want you to be able to live a truly blessed life according to what Jesus taught. Let's take a moment and let's just pray and ask God to help us with that. God, we just thank you for being a God that sees things differently than we see things. And that we can have confidence that you see things the right way. That you know things that we don't know. But I just pray, Father, that you help us to have the courage to actually do it, even though it doesn't always make sense. That you give us the courage to be able to find things that we believe in, that we will give. We will give of ourselves, we will give of our thanks. Give of our resources. Give us the courage and the strength to put it into action. Help us to be like the early church.